This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. It's Sal Capaccio. Filling up right behind the Bills bench right now with their flags and their hey, 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 hey. Hey, 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 hey. Let's go, Buffalo Chan. On WGR Sports Radio 550. Yes, Easton Stick. First NFL start coming tonight. He was Carson Wentz's successor at North Dakota State. That's who Easton Stick is, but that's, that's not the whole story. But that's one one thing one thing about him. One little nugget. One more thing than I than I knew. I have never seen him in person or any uh, on tape anything. I've never really actually seen Easton Stick, but I've heard that he can run. All right. When you're doing your parlays and everything like that, maybe uh, you could <laughs> okay. somehow okay. find that you useful. Just reminded me, I got to check on this Jacobs thing. Yeah, I got to check on that. Sal Capaccio <laughs> on the. Wester hotline. I don't know what I. I just got to say, like I missed one day. I missed yesterday. I feel like I missed a week. I'm just so like <laughs> I don't know, just not there yet today on on the show in terms of Bills Cowboys here. So let's just tee you up for an injury update here. I'm, I'm wondering about Dalton Kincaid and what you think his chances of playing uh, would be here and what it would mean if he didn't make it. Well, I think it'd be a big blow if he didn't. But I mean, he sounded like he was, you know obviously banged up a little bit, but he said he'd be fine when we talked to him earlier this week after the game. Um, the fact that he's been out there limited, even re- wearing a red jersey, <laughs> excuse me, guys, is probably a, a really good sign that he's trending in the right direction, as coaches like to say. So as of right now, like on a Thursday, that he's already out there limited, uh, was estimated to be limited yesterday if they had gone, a full, gone with a full practice, I, I wouldn't be too concerned about it right now. We'll get it from Sean tomorrow. Maybe he's questionable. You know, tomorrow, maybe that's the official designation, but it would be a big blow because, you know, he's been really good for this offense. And it's good. This is why, too, last week when Dawson Knox was coming back and fans, a lot of them were saying, oh, you know, they're better without Dawson Knox. You don't need to put him on. Like, yeah, it's good to have Dawson Knox, though. I mean, what if something were to happen to Dalton Kincaid? Like, he's, it's better having him on the roster, and, you know, you can still use him. But I, I think that they, as of right now, should be able to have Dalton Kincaid. And how did you feel like Knox came through? And do you think there should be more there for him moving forward? Like, was this sort of an easing in? I'm asking because, I mean, maybe coupled with Kincaid at least being, you know, iffy enough to be limited and wearing the non contact jersey. I wonder if last week was a sign that Kincaid has emerged enough that he's going to lead the way in snap count at tight end, or if Knox is just sort of ramping up. I'd be surprised if 
they went back to more of Dawson than Dalton. Mm-hmm. I think it looks like it. This is you know Dalton and his production and what he's doing in the passing game, especially. He's kind of earned that right <clears throat> to be the guy. And last week he played. They had seventy-seven snaps. Dalton Kincaid was on the field for sixty of them. Dawson Knox for thirty-six. So you went you know, percentage-wise seventy-eight to forty-seven. Now I'm I wouldn't discount maybe Dawson having even more or maybe that gap closing. But to me, Dalton Kincaid is probably your number one tight end going forward. But I think still think there's plenty of room for Dawson Knox to be on the field, and especially, you know, the 12 personnel that they use, and they use it again last week. You know, 77 snaps, do the math, right? Um, you had 60, what did I just say, 60 for, that only leaves 17, but still you had Knox on the field for 36 of them. So they went 12 personnel quite a bit, and I think that there's still a lot of room to be able to do that. I like what they did with their 12 personnel. They moved these guys around, they split them out, they put them on, you know, sides of the wide receivers, uh, they got James Cook involved. So, yeah, I think that, you know, having these options is fine. And I wouldn't be surprised if the, the gap closes, but that Dalton Kincaid is still the number one guy. Of course, every week is different, and your mm-hmm. matchups are different, of course, all kinds of things to make it dicey trying to predict a trend here. The guy that I think is really hurt by it, Knox's return, isn't Kincaid, as you're saying. It's, uh, it's Shakir. Mm-hmm. And I wonder about that with Davis, really, Sal, just bottoming out here in terms of his his levels, and Diggs coming down, you know, again, like James Cook, they're throwing vertical routes to Cook, and that's working out, and, you know, Kincaid has been good. But I still i am going to want them, and I think everybody would say this, to have, you know, more going on in terms of their wide receivers. So I feel like Kincaid, or Shakir, rather, is the one who gets cut into in this, uh, you know, with Knox back. For sure. I mean, there's only enough reps, enough spots for eligible receivers he was still at a, a nice rate, 67% last week. But the week before, without Dawson Knox, Kalusha Kier was on the field for 80% of the snaps. That was against the um, yes. Philadelphia Eagles. Let me just look real quick against the New York Jets because you're right. I mean, obviously the numbers point to it. And then obviously against the Jets, he had that long touchdown mm-hmm. catch and run. It was 70, <laughs> sorry guys, 74%. So, um, yeah, I, it, it feels like that's the case, that Shakir's the guy that, you know, is the guy that's going to lose some snaps. But again... I mean, I, you just you can't have everybody on the field. And you can make an argument maybe Gabe Davis shouldn't play as much. He's not as productive. They like having Gabe out there because he can be a part of everything they do. Whether they run, they pass, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, Gabe Davis, he's on the field. You don't know what's coming if you're a defense. And, you know, you could make that argument for sure because of production. But, again, it goes back to how many spots really are there to, you know, have people and eligible receivers on the field. This is three of the last five games where Davis did not have a catch. And in one of those games, he didn't have a target. Just two targets in Kansas City, two against Cincinnati. We remember the end of the Eagle game. He had a nice day in Philadelphia, but the pass that was missed that could have won it in overtime. Sal, is there anything going on that you see or hear in terms of Davis? I mean, is it because it's for years been mostly this where you'd have the so-called boom and bust player in this guy. It's just the busts have been bigger busts here, uh, if you will so far this year. What, what are you seeing here and, and, and feeling in terms of Davis? Well, it feels like whenever Josh does target him, a lot of times they're not on the same page. And I don't know what that reason is. We can go back to a couple different times. You had the intentional grounding, the what I thought was a horrible call in Cincinnati, but that's why it was, because they weren't on the same page. Same thing kind of happened against the Jets when he targeted him and they weren't on the same page. Um, you know, Gabe hasn't helped himself. He's been inconsistent a few times. We've seen that as well. Um, and then I just think, you know, Gabe Davis is the type of receiver that he's not, he's not a true separator down the field. 
and you know he's got to work. He's got to work to get open. Um, you know, it's he, there's been times. I, what, what game was it? There was one game too where he made a really nice catch in the sidelines, um, where he he found himself open down the field a little bit. Those things happen, and we've seen him make big plays, but it's just a struggle for him. I think sometimes to get open and get away, um, and then Josh has to find him, and then it's got to be. And then you know, Josh threw the ball last week. There was one across the middle, and we could call it a drop. It was a little behind Gabe. It wasn't perfect. I think Gabe should have caught it. But those things happen as well. And um, to me, they just haven't been on the same page for whatever reason um, a lot of times when he's been targeted. Yeah, enough to maybe make you wonder. Somebody brought this to me after, and I had said it, I think, right after the game on Sunday um, because a a friend of mine texted me this thought. Like the the play late against Kansas City where Davis is all alone and Allen tries to Mm -hmm. squeeze it into Kincaid Mm -hmm. on the sideline. Like one thought might be he's not really thinking about Davis because he's not sure he can trust him. Yeah, I don't. I don't I'm not going to go that far. I think that Josh trusts Gabe Davis. I, I just think he didn't see him on that play. Mm-hmm. I, I think he throws it to him when he's open and he can get it to him. Um, he had nine different guys, ten different guys get targets, nine different guys right. get catches. I think last week. Um, you know, and I, to me, I, I don't think that's a reason that he doesn't trust him. I think he's thrown it to him in some tough spots too, and he's shown that he does trust him. I just didn't think he saw him there. I that play was coming right at me, and I saw Gabe cut loose, and I'm like, right. And then I thought Josh saw him, but then Josh turned a little bit more to his left, and that's when he actually threw it to Kincaid, and he missed him high with the pass. But yeah, I I understand why people would think that. I, I don't think that's the case. I mean, if if Josh Allen doesn't trust any anybody, it was Gabe Davis or anybody, I think that's a discussion he's going to have with you know, um, Joe Brady, and that player's probably not going to be on the field that much. There's got to be a reason why you wouldn't trust him. Right, Davis is still on the field like crazy. So Correct. One more thing about him is with three or four catch games going to the wire, he'll still get to his numbers. Like, totals-wise, he's not too different than last year. He's got six touchdowns this year, seven's his career high. So um, really, if you put it all together – it's been a Gabe Davis season. Just, in, again, recent games and three games out of five without a single catch uh, sort of does jump out. With Sal Capaccio here, Sal, what do you think of the Cowboys and, and this matchup? Of course, they've been a big story this year. Prescott is an MVP favorite. They, it's his best year, and I think it's theirs, even though they've had playoff teams. Uh, do you see them as a, a level up from what they've been, and just how do you see this this matchup looking? <clears throat> I see them as a level up right now at this moment in, in their current state. I think they're a really good team. I think they're playing great, um, you know, but they still have some cracks and some ways that you can beat them. And the, the, I think about the Thursday night game a couple of weeks ago at Seattle. I mean, Seattle moved the ball. Geno Smith tore him up. I, I benched Geno Smith in my fantasy league thinking, oh, he's playing Dallas, right? And then he, <laughs> he went off. He had like 30 points. I didn't say that. That was an example of me. Okay, they can, you know, there's times that they can allow you to move down the field and score points. But, you know, they can be locked down too. You look at outside of that, 17, 10, 10, 13, the numbers they've allowed. They didn't play really good offenses until last week. Obviously, the Eagles did a really nice job of shutting them down. I think the Dallas Cowboys are a very good team. I think they're playing great football right now, though. But that's not, doesn't have to be sustainable for every week. They're also a different team home and away. Uh, they are seven and zero at home. They're three and three on the road, and in those losses, they got blown out by the 49ers, and they lost to the Arizona Cardinals even before Kyler Murray was there. They also lost to the Eagles with no shame in that. But um, you know, they are a different team when they get away from home. They've played three straight home games here, guys. They haven't been on the road since November 19th for a game. So you know, you want to catch them at the right time here, kind of. 
They're coming off a big win. They're going on the road for the first time in over a month. This might be that type of game. That last road game of theirs was in Charlotte, too, when they had the crowd. Uh, But, you know, yes, it was not in in their home city. Is Dallas Buffalo's second favorite team? You mean fan-wise, base-wise? Yes. What what NFL team has the second most fans in Buffalo? I never thought about. I want to push back on that. I think that there's a lot of Raiders fans here in Buffalo. You know, Um, who else? Pittsburgh, maybe, but yeah, it could be. I I would say Dallas or the Raiders would probably be the teams I would think of first when it comes to non-Bills fans living in Western New York. Yeah, Western New York. Are we including Southern Ontario? Like, I I just feel like you've got a lot of Canadian fans that are Raiders and Cowboys fans. People our age, those people are now, if they're like in their 30s, are probably Patriots fans, Mm -hmm. the Canadians. (laughs) Yeah, second favorite. A lot of Southern Ontario Dolphins fans for the same reason. Second favorite isn't how I want to put it, because that makes it sound like the Bills fans also like Dallas, you know, come on. (laughs) We like the Bills, but we like Dallas too. I don't think that's the case. So, um, all right, well, this is just such a cool moment here. I mean, the season being what it is, and suddenly the Bills not only have life, and even in the division, but kind of just sounds to me, Sal, like everybody thinks they're going to make it. You know, the the odds don't exactly reflect that. They're still like 50-50 sort of in in the betting odds. So it's not like it's people think it's a sure thing. But for in in a season where, I mean, we've spent how much time in the last month talking about Sean McDermott and the future and the the proverbial window and everything like that, uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm less in the majority than I think here. But right now, I feel like the fan base is kind of wheels up. Well, I think so, too. I mean, you know, if they they go out there and they lose on Sunday – they can still make it. It's going to be a grind, and you're going to have a lot of doubters. But, man, if they win, it is so on, right, with this fan base. I mean, if they win – and look, I mean, we're going to – Joe and I were talking this morning that the 1 o'clock games will will, will determine a lot, and then there's going to be Saturday games. Saturday. Yeah, I mean, if you get I, – I can I can see the Jets beating the Dolphins this week. I can. The Dolphins are going to probably be without Tyreek Hill, without Devon H. And they don't have Connor Williams. You know, the Jets have a really good defense – that game was going to be 10-6 at halftime when they played New York a couple weeks ago, and then they had the Hail Mary return. It's a long way of saying, look, 1 o'clock comes around, that game is being played. If we get to 4 o'clock and the Dolphins happen to lose, I mean, Highmark is going to be jumping with optimism here because the Bills at that moment, would could, they would control their own destiny to yeah. win the division. I think They he, win all the games. Yeah. They're, they're the division champs. I think with Miami having Dallas next and then Baltimore before they get the Bills in the last week of the season – even if they win this game against the Jets, if the Bills beat Dallas, I think yep. by Monday we're we're think we're thinking the division is like you just go get it, guys. Just don't just don't stumble yourselves. Take care of your business, and you're you're going to be there. Yeah, and we're going to know a lot Saturday, right? I yep. mean, every every game on Saturday has something to do with this playoff race, right. some more than others. I mean, right. the Vikings at the Bengals, you got Steelers and Colts. Somebody's got to win. Somebody's got to lose, right? And then Broncos at Lions Saturday night. By the right. time we get to Sunday, there's going to be even a much, you know, a more understood picture. Whether that's more clear or not, I don't know, but at least more understood. Six, seven, and six teams in the AFC, the Bills being one of the other five, four play on Saturday. So, yes, there'll be a lot of uh, clarity, relative clarity. all the clarity. other ones play before the Bills on Sunday. The only other one is Houston, and they play right. 1 o'clock. And Cleveland would count for the same yeah. kind of point, 8-5, right. but also a 1 o'clock game. Correct. Okay, Sal, thank you. We'll talk to you tomorrow for the roundtable. 
You guys got it. Thank you. Marcel Capaccio on the Western Hotline. His appearance is always brought to you by New York's only outlet liquor. When you need to stock up, it's the place to buy a case. What's your outlet? Dallas might be, tell me if I'm wrong, the second most popular team in Buffalo and the the most hated or second most hated. And that is going to go by age, right? Yeah. Like the, the majority of both of those clubs are on the older side. Yes, I I could use some. I, I I need a little work on my hating Dallas. Do you? Yeah, man, McCarthy, Joe Ostrowski was talking about his critics. My hand is up. Like just yeah, I'm not a Mike McCarthy fan, but they've done great. Yeah, I, I thought Prescott was stuck with them, and this year he is flourishing. So guilty. See Prescott. Prescott's a problem for me in hating them. And so is the coverage. Like I, I don't look. I don't sit around and consume the hot take shows. Okay. Like I, I'm not. I've never watched the Skip Bayless show, whatever that's called. Um, but like th- those shows that churn out that content are just. It seems so unreasonable about the Cowboys and about Prescott that I end up. Yes. And this is just stuff that crosses my Twitter feed. Okay. Like again, I don't go seeking it out, but like I, whatever, I'm exposed to it somewhat, and I, and I know what those narratives are. And that makes me want to root for a guy like that. Like, I, I want to pull for him, and therefore I guess them. And then what? I want the Cowboys to be good? That's not appropriate. I live in Buffalo, and I am of the age where, you know, we were thinking about where we're going to go for the riot after they win one of these Super Bowls. <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not the person that should be liking Dallas in any way, shape, or form, but... That's so interesting. I'm sort of stuck. Because we're we're so alike here. I never watched those shows either, but that's how I got to Jackson, was Bill Polian saying you should play wide receiver. Right. And I was done with Bill Polian forever. Right. And like, all right, I want to root for this guy, because that's so ludicrous to me. Heisman Trophy winner. You know, just, no, it's on the NFL to make it work. It shouldn't be hard. Look at the guy. And yet, change his position, same thing. Just the machine. Right. Is, is unfair to some people. You know, yeah. even Allen in his way. Like, Allen, mm-hmm. of course, was dismissed by most sure. analysts before he even, even started. And I was not, if I need to say it, I just always want to say it when I make that point so nobody thinks, like, I don't own that I was one of those people, because <laughs> right. I certainly do. 803-0550, phone lines are open now. Mike Schoep and the Bulldog, WGR. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 